Camper. Have no fear, happy campers is here. It's a summer camp themed podcast where we reminisce about the stuff that we missed, about the best summers we ever had. And there will be reflection and lots of introspection and a great selection of guests that will stop by. So grab a glass of bug juice, relax, and say hi to both your hosts. We're Julie and Sammy, your podcast family. We're going to start the show. Hi, happy campers. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We've got a very special interview. I'm here with my uh, co-host, Sammy. Say hi, Sammy. Hey. Hey. Uh, It's Julia. And we are going to talk to a very special man in my life, my grandpa, Stu. Hey, Stu. Stuart. Stuart. Officially Stuart. (laughs) What do I prefer? What do you prefer? Stuart. Okay. It's, we're but here doesn't with it Stuart. have a nice ring to it, Grandpa <laughs> Stu? Yeah, I, do Grandpa Stu. It's better. I like that. I like no, that we'll go, we, but we respect whatever you want to be called. Stuart. Okay. Stuart, Stuart. Um, so I grew up um, coming over to my grandparents' house for lovely meals and pool parties. And every so often, I would be treated with one of Stuart's just like heartwarming stories about when he was a counselor at an all-boys sleepaway camp. No. Nope. Go ahead. (laughs) Take it away. Oh, well. Messed up already. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, it was. Well, I I said no at first because in my mind it was always co-ed, even though it wasn't because there was a big road that separated the boys' camps from the girls' camps, but we were always mingling. So, oh, okay. But, <laughs> so, but, but technically, I was right. <laughs> technically, it was all boys. That's technically, correct. all boys with many visits from the girls' camp. That's right. Um, and, and Sammy and I have been doing this podcast for about a year now, and I'm so honored to finally have Stuart on to share all these memories and to get them all on the record for our listeners, because they're really, really good stories, and Stuart's a really good storyteller. I grew up on playing in the streets in Queens, New York, playing stickball and baseball and all kinds of things, and sweating the summers. I've always wanted to go away, and one time I did go away, which we'll get back to later, which was when I was a Boy Scout and Mm -hmm. a scout leader, not a scout leader, a troop leader, and uh, went to Ten Mile River Camp in New York uh, and Boy Scout Camp, and I'll get to that later. So I got my first taste of camp being outside of the city, in the summer, which I absolutely loved. loved. That's going to be our mini episode for for our listeners. And um, so what happened was um, we, uh, I um, worked during college. Uh, This was, uh, I started going to summer camp at the end of my first summer of college. Okay. Okay. And I was going to a local college, Queens College in New York. And um, during the summer, uh, I worked in one, in one of the great stores, uh, in the, one of the great jobs of all time. We worked um, cutting out, we would get newspapers from all over the country. Uh-huh. And uh, you would then get a newspaper edition in front of you, and you would cut out all the social engagements in the paper, like so-and-so got married, and so-and-so got this, and so-and-so got that. And you would then uh, write out, cut out all the obituaries. And you would then lay them out. They would then laminate them and send them out to people and say, this is yours. We're sending you a memento 
of it was called moment, mementos, and it was people <laughs> order them. People, what happened was no, they didn't order them. They would send them to them and say, if you want more for your family Oof. to share this wonderful wedding or this wonderful obituary of, of, you know, of Grandma Elsie and whatever, who died at 185, <laughs> uh, then see, send us some money and we will send it to Wait, you. And is they, this camp related? No, this but this is how I got to camp. This is what you were doing. That was his job. I was like, this is like the camp yearbook? This is so sad. It's not a camp yearbook. But there I met my buddies. Okay, there I met okay. my buddies, Marty and Stan, who are still... I'm very close to Marty. Stan, not so, but very close to Marty. Sorry, Stan. And, and Marty uh, was going to this camp, uh, and he said, why don't you come on up next summer? Well, you know, why don't, why don't you come on up? So um, I went up to this camp, Island Lake Camp for Boys and Girls, and it really was quite extraordinary. Um, first of all, I had never been to camp before as a camper other than this Boy Scout thing. And I was assigned... Um, uh, running a camp for uh, eight, nine-year-old boys. You were 19, 20? Uh, I was 19. Okay. I was 19. Um, and I really hadn't the faintest idea of what was entailed of doing this, but I had other counselors with us. And um, the head counselor was a guy named Gottlieb, uh, Jay Gottlieb, and he was a psychologist. And this was long before I decided to be a psychiatrist, but I was fascinated with his notion about how to work with kids and whatever. And it was a beautiful setting, beautiful setting. And the kids were just just adorable, absolutely adorable. And uh, one of the traditions that we had toward the end of the camp was you have to make a camp plaque mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. celebrating. I'm sure all of you have done it many times. <laughs> and that was a big deal. And um, But what we did as counselors... Uh, when we got together and met the women counselors on the other side, was we um, we did many many uh, skits together. We did a lot of uh, uh, a lot of acting together. Mm -hmm. We did a lot of drama together. Uh, we did a lot of music. I'm, I'm I don't play anything, but I attempt to sing, which I usually throw people off from. <laughs> uh, but what was but the most important thing about camp with the kids. The yeah. kids were just wonderful. And we, right off the bat, had after about two or three weeks at camp, what happened was they'd blow the bugle, you know, at 7 o'clock in the morning or whatever, some ungodly hour, and all of us would trump out. And, um, oh, that reminds me of a wonderful story. <laughs> and we all go down to the um, main um, part of the camp mm -hmm. where they had the flag. And then they would raise the flag, and you would uh, uh, salute and whatever. Well, I had a bunker who refused to salute the flag. <sighs> and it was a major crisis at camp. Can I ask what around what time? Was this the 60s? Uh, yeah, let's see. I, uh, I, um, I graduated college at, fifth, let's see. 54? Oh, so I it was the 50s. 50, it was the 50s. Okay. It was the 50s. All right. And he, uh, this was during the 
uh, I think, uh, whether McCarthy. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. If it was like McCarthy issues. This was was a big deal. This was a big deal. And he was a pretty obnoxious little camper. He refused a lot of things. (laughs) Uh, You know, he refused to wash in the morning. He refused (laughs) this. He refused that. And if I remember correctly, he was sort of uh, an unattractive little kid, meaning that most of the others had a smile, and you love them, and you want to hug them. And, And Larry... Not really. His name was <laughs> Larry. Not Larry. Larry. Little Larry. So it became a crisis in camp about what to do with the kid who refused to salute the flag. And, just exercising and he his constitutional right. refused to go down to the ceremony because right after that, we'd all go to the mess hall for breakfast. Right? Uh-huh. And so Jay, the head counselor, said, well, we, we have a real problem. We need a discussion about this. because." And somebody said, well, he just can't have breakfast then. If he doesn't salute the flag and go down for the flag ceremony, he can't have breakfast. And then they have another bunch of campers saying, you can't do that. Yeah, you, you can't, can't do you that. You can't not deprive a kid of breakfast. He hasn't eaten in a long time. And so we were ended up in this real struggle about what to do with Larry. What and, did you think? Well, I thought at the time that Larry, I just needed to talk more with Larry. And if I talk more with Larry or Jay talk more with Larry, we'd be able to convince him. Well... That did not work, and he couldn't tell us why he would not uh, go down and salute the. It wasn't. I don't it think it wasn't because political. he was a communist. I don't think he was. But Larry of course, people thought, "Oh, you know, here we go. We got this kind of red guy <laughs> in communist <the> camp. campers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And you can't have that. You're not allowed. So, so, um, but the other kids liked him in the in the in the bunk. They they didn't. They couldn't have cared less whether Larry went down to the flagpole or not. They right. couldn't have cared less. So eventually, um, so, they, so they could not, not let him have breakfast. Mm-hmm. So he came into the breakfast hall. I remember many times I sat with him, and we ate breakfast, <laughs> ate that miserable breakfast <laughs> together. The eggs were horrendous. <laughs> horrendous. The food was bad at camp? Oh, the food was awful <laughs> at camp. Just terrible. The eggs were like... I don't know what Blue. the hell they were. It looked like they were not real eggs. I kept saying, you have to have real eggs at camp. They were probably powdered the, eggs. I'm sure they were powdered <laughs> eggs. They were terrible. Um, so anyway, after after talking with Larry for quite a while, uh, it was clear that nothing was going to budge him. And he would do this day in and day out and day in and day out. And finally, they decided to um, send him home. Really? Yeah, they felt that they could not, that it was too disruptive because the word had spread. You know, it's a small little camp, and the word had spread. And we were afraid there'd be other, wow. other Larrys out there. And we didn't want any more Larrys wow. in the bunks. So um, they, Jay finally decided to call his parents, and they sent him home. And what's interesting is um, I've tried to look him up. Yeah. Because I've been very curious about what happened, what happened? to little yeah. Larry. Because I remembered his name, and I couldn't find him. Interesting. I couldn't find him, so I had no idea. Maybe he went into the woods to live maybe, alone. Maybe, yeah. maybe he became... That's so interesting. Today, you would never send a kid home for that. Like, no. they're just... You need more reasons because someone's paying a lot of money to, like... Well, no, I just hard. mean that, like, it's your right to not salute the flag if you don't want to. Like, that's... Well, I guess so. It's in the I Constitution. Guess, well, you know, he, he cut Larry said that. He said, I have a right yeah. to not go and 
Not go and salute the flag. Sammy's a lawyer, so she could argue that. <laughs> I'm case. just that's saying, like, this seems later. like a civil rights violation. Yeah, I'm surprised right. this didn't go to the Supreme Court. Yeah, I they too. Were here. I Maybe they'll hear it now. That's right. So that was that was uh, that was sort of the beginning of the counseling experience. And the other thing that was really wonderfully funny was that you put on the wall a um, a sheet which says uh, whether or not you had a bowel movement every what? day. A poop chart? Oh, yeah, you have to have a poop chart. <laughs> wow. To make you sure. did that as the counselor. That's because like as a counselor. Such a boy thing As a to counselor, do. on my bunk, I had every kid's name, and I had the dates, and I had, they have to check off when they've had a bowel movement. Okay, but like boys in my college dorm did that just for funsies <laughs> well, was, well, what happened was like for a this contest was, yeah this was to make sure that you suddenly didn't have a boy who hadn't gone in four or five days and was constipated and not telling us or somebody who had diarrhea and wasn't telling us uh, because we didn't watch the kid i mean the yeah. the toilets were in the bunk you know so we had some notion of it right you, you look, you look. I'm just, <laughs> I don't know, like, if it was one or the other way, like, <laughs> if something was going on with their stomach, like. Well, then you would take them to the infirmary. You and would they take them to the infirmary. Yeah, and if they were constipated, to, yeah, they, would, they, might have, they might have juices or yeah. worse comes to worse, an enema. I kind of just grew up with the, like, whatever's just, going on, you, you got to suck it up and <laughs> deal, deal with, with it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you remember, we were responsible for these kids. Yeah, yeah, we but I was a counselor, and I never inquired about anyone's bell movement. Well, this was the rule of the camp. I mean, I didn't yeah. personally make this right, up. Right, right. <laughs> Stuart, did you bring this tradition to the camp? <laughs> so what happened was... Yeah, great counselor, was real interest in the bell movement. What was fascinating was, so after about two or three weeks, I, I decided, I didn't look every day, I decided to look, and I noticed that one kid, you know, just wasn't having bowel movements. Right. Another kid in the bunk was having them two or three times a day. I said, oh, my God. I got one constipated kid and one <laughs> kid with terrible diarrhea. What the hell's going on? So I brought them. I said, come on, we need to talk outside. I said, look, I, this is a little uncomfortable, but, but I'm, concerned about, I'm concerned about your bowel movement or whatever. You did these one-on-one or you brought both of the guys? And no, you. I brought both of them because I said there's something because about Because they're both they having problems so from each the, other. So the, the, kid, <laughs> the kid who had none yeah. said... The reason I have none is I couldn't reach the chart. I'm too small. Oh. The kid who was the right... <laughs> so what happened was the kid who had the right size would put in his bowel movement. The kid who wasn't, who couldn't reach yeah. way up on top would just check the other kid's box. So, they were sharing. So, so, oh, they, were so sharing. they were like getting they were sharing a double... their bowel movements. It was yeah. oh, just so funny. Just so that's funny. That's a good like, really answer funny. to the riddle. Yeah, that is. <laughs> that's right. It's much that's better right. than what you thought was going on. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Really very funny. I feel like they were going to end up being twins. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. And then um, uh, what happened was also what was fun was that every night, of course, when the kids were going to sleep, we had to tell them stories. Mm-hmm. That was part of it. And I have to admit, I was a damn good storyteller. I can mm-hmm. tell. But I told very, very scary stories. Because uh, you had to how did to really that help with getting them to sleep? Oh, you had to scare <laughs> the hell out of them. And they, my favorite story was Tim Tyler. 
I don't know where I made up this name. Tim Tell us Tyler. the story. Tim Sammy Tyler. and I are heading to bed. We're setting <laughs> right. the scene. And the lights story out. is the lights are out. Okay. And then I tell people about how we're in the middle of this wonderful country, but it's also a very intense woods that we're that this camp is in the middle of. Mm-hmm. And in the woods was a um, a wonderful guy who was a lumberman named Tim Tyler. And he would, he had a family, he had a wife, and he had two children. They always do. And he would, and he would go out every morning and go and work for a company and chop wood and knock down trees and whatever, and would come home, and he had a loving wife and children. Everything was fine. Until one day, he came home, and his wife and children were dead <gasps> or murdered. And they were murdered horribly. Oh, no. Someone had taken an axe uh, and just knocked off her head. The uh, just knocked off her head. And the kids were cut in half oh, no. with this axe. <laughs> this terrible thing. Right? Boom. Right like that. So Tim Tyler, at that point, went nuts. He went nuts. And he decided, then and there, that... Whenever he saw a young little boy, he was going to do to them what was done to his kids. He was going to take his axe, his bloodied axe, that he took out of the body of his children, and he was going to carry it with him. And he was going to sneak up on that little boy or that little girl. (laughs) Just like that. He legitimately scared us. <laughs> I was not expecting that at all. Julia, did you pee? <laughs> no, I had a BM. <laughs> oh my God. The scream. How did that, that work to get those kids to sleep? The, the scream. Oh my gosh. Your timing is really yeah, good. Yeah, it was so good. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Did I really scare you? Yes. <laughs> In the beginning of the story, Sam jumped. and I were just adding vocals to be like, oh, ah. And yeah. then at the end, we were both like, ah. <laughs> so, uh, so that became Tim Tyler. Tim Tyler. Every night, mm. there would be a story. About Tim Tyler. About Tim Tyler. And he, how he, there was a sighting of Tim Tyler. There was a sighting uh. of him. And what was the sighting? What was the sighting of him? Though there was a a bone, a bone cut in half of a little animal or something like that. We weren't sure. But the police were called immediately. Oh my gosh. And they hunted and hunted for him. And they never found him. But he's a lumberjack. Never, he knows how to hide in the woods. That's a lumberman. Right. Exactly. Ugh. Exactly. And he would hide in the woods. And he would hide, and when he would come out, Mm. mainly would be in the summer. He would come out in the summer because he would smell the kids. And he knew there were kids in the area. And he was never satisfied until all the kids were dead, Ah. were killed, destroyed. (laughs) 
Julia's face. Oh my God. That's such a good ghost story. It's not even a ghost story. It's and just it a terrifying story. story. I haven't told that story. So this would happen every night, every night. And then I would pick one kid. Yeah. And I'd say, yeah. I heard the police put out a bulletin that Tim Tyler was looking and thought he saw a little blonde boy and he had on green shorts and white sneakers and he wore a yellow shirt. Is that anybody here? (laughs) Who has that? (laughs) <laughs> Don't be afraid. Don't we just be afraid. Need you to come talk to the cops now. <laughs> That's, <right. laughs> That's the camp uniform. Pardon me. Was that the camp uniform? No, no, it was his uniform. It was just what, like what he the kid wore. was wearing that day. It's what he wore. So the little kid was like, "Oh no, 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 no not me, not me! I'm not wearing that anymore." <laughs> it's okay, Robbie. It's okay. It's okay because you're safe with us in the bunk. <laughs> We'll watch out for Tim Tyler. We'll watch out. We, you know, and then it's quiet. We always know Tim Tyler's around when when you're quiet in bed and whatever. And then there's a noise. That means he's around. He's sniffing around. He really scared those kids. He's really sniffing around. Scared them so much. (laughs) Torturer. Oi. All right. <laughs> okay. We need to okay. move on. So anyway, okay. so that's I what sh- we... Let me shake it off. I have, some, I have some questions. <laughs> go ahead. Go, yes. Not about Tim Tyler. Um, did you teach any activities? Yeah. What did I teach? Uh, softball. <laughs> I taught softball. Uh, I was uh, at the dock with swimming. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I think I... Taught a little tennis. Um, kind of a jack I did of all some trades. Canoeing. I did some canoeing with the kids. Had a great lake. And we used to swim the lake. It's a beautiful, beautiful lake. We did that too. A lot of camps have pools, but we did not have one. No, no, we were lake no, no. swimmers. That's right. It was great lake. Great lake. And they had canoes. And we used to take the canoes on these mm-hmm. great trips and whatever. I always kid David about that. Uh, um, about his canoe trips, and uh, we used to take them a lot. Not not anything like him, but we did that. So, yeah, there were a lot of activities during the day. We were busy all the time, and the weather was gorgeous. Yeah. The weather was absolutely gorgeous. Um, one time when we were there, one year, and I don't remember the year, there was this huge um, storm and flood in the area. Mm-hmm. It was flooded, and it was really scary, so we had to evacuate the camp which was really very interesting. We got buses in, and we took them to another camp. But being a counselor, getting back to being a counselor, uh, the counselors had their own basketball team. We had our own softball team. So when we we, we would go to, many times they were sort of, um, uh, our our campers would play at another camp. They would play different sports, but the counselors would then play also. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, and then there's a wonderful story. The uh, former coach of the New York Knicks was a very tall man called Joe Lapchick. Oh, yeah. I've been wanting to hear this story for a while. Yeah. Stuart says it's one of his best. Okay. <laughs> it's one of my Joe Lapchick's story. And he uh, was brought in by the camp 
to attract to attract uh, parents dropping their kids off. And he, on occasion, would give basketball clinics. And basically, he did nothing. He, you know, he would show up every once in a while. But he was nice. He, he coached our team, our basketball team, which was fun. I learned how to rebound because of him, which was a lot of fun. Learned how pro. to position myself and whatever. Yeah. And he was a fine player and a, and a very good coach. And um, one uh, weekend, they had parents visiting. Uh-huh. And this was, I think, twice a year. Suddenly, the parents would come up, and uh, the um, one of them, uh, Joe Lapchick, was going to put on a clinic for the kids, for the eight and nine year olds, who where the ball was bigger than them. You know, yeah, right. Basketball. So <laughs> Joe was out there giving a clinic, um, and he's. You know, the kids are running around around him, and he's showing them throw the ball here, pass the ball here, try to shoot the ball there. And suddenly, one of my kids, Ronnie, I think it was Ronnie, I think he was a twin. I think Ronnie was a twin, a blonde twin. And he came running out, and Joe Lapp said, oh, oh, you want to ask me something? He said, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes. So he up to Joe Lapchick in front of everybody and just grabbed his balls. <laughs> <laughs> and Lapchick, boom, like a hammer <laughs> fell right out of I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I said, this is from my bunk? I can't That's not where I'll I thought be that dead. story was I'll going. I'll be dead. It was the most yeah. incredible thing I had ever seen in my life. He just, That's amazing. That was the sign. That's where he was. He yeah. was at the levels of his genitals. And he just... <laughs> Boys camp. Boys camp. So That's different right. from girls boys camp. camp. That was that. This is boys camp. That's right. Uh, the other thing we would do a lot as counselors is, I said, we played a lot of ball and whatever. And um, there were a number of women counselors that we had came from Pennsylvania, came from Pennsylvania, uh-huh. and they were um, they were gym instructors up there. They were phys ed majors, and they were like. Like you can't believe they were tough as nails. <laughs> they were they knock you over the second and whatever, and uh, so we'd play baseball with them. And I remember my friend Marty, who was a delightful guy. I don't think you've met Marty, a uh, delightful guy. And uh, we were playing softball one day, and up on the upper field, and um, the third the person, one of, one of the women's pat, I remember her name was on second, someone singled, and she was coming around home, and <laughs> my friend Marty had the ball, and she was coming, in, and she hit him. He flew about 10 feet. <laughs> he just kept right on flying. That's right. And yeah. she just was so strong. It was really very who funny. Who run the world? Girls. Girls. Huh? I said, who runs the world? That's right. <laughs> That's right. She ran right through him. She ran right through him. And it was really interesting. And there were always, there were always these things like um, one day, you know, because it was a boys and girls camp, mm-hmm. you know, the, the counselors were always... Trying to make it with the girl counselors. That was going to be my question. Was oh, yeah. do you have any camp girlfriends? Yeah, oh 50s my romance. goodness! Yes. Oh yes. My <laughs> <laughs> listeners love that. Absolutely. Those are, are what we kidding? really, really <laughs> perk right. up for. Well, it was what was really very interesting was uh, I've had a lot of competition with my brother, who's directly older than me, named Lewis, and um, Lewis, uh, for some reason, came to this camp. I inv- I think I. Invited one of my uh, uh, fraternity brothers to come, a guy named Marty, 
And, and I asked Lewis, I said, Lewis, oh, it's great, come on, that's time we were friendly. Anyway, Lewis got involved with a woman named Minna, I remember distinctly. Mm -hmm. Got involved with a woman named Minna, and it really pissed me off. Because you liked Minna? Did you I like liked Minna? Minna. And for years you had liked Minna. And you're just like, just out Minna. Lewis. I liked Minna, but Lewis was my older brother, four years yeah. older. Yeah. Four years older, you know, big shot. He's the doctor. I followed, I followed Lewis into medical school. Um, and so he dated Minna. Ugh. So, so the next summer, mm -hmm. I was involved with Minna. Yeah, you were. <laughs> there you go. I thought you were going to say something like Minna brought her sister, and no, then we. No, no. <laughs> There's no, enough that would have been, been easier, but this was a real. Wow. And this how did was, Lewis take the news? Oh, not well. Not happy about not it? Not well. Not well. And you're like, sorry, which bro, have, you're not which, here. That's right, which may have been. The, the beginnings of the major conversation between my brother <laughs> and I. All comes back to Minna. <laughs> All comes back to Minna. Oh, can you tell right. us a little about Breaking Minna? Breaking hearts. We've never met anyone named Minna. Is she from the U.S.? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She lived in Poughkeepsie, I think, mm -hmm. if uh -huh. I remember correctly. Uh, I don't remember And she was like name. the camp knockout? She was very pretty. I don't yeah. know if she was the camp knockout, but she was very pretty. Top 10. Top ten. <laughs> she, she was good stuff. She was very good stuff. Okay, so what did you do? So, like, did you go to, like, dances? Did you go out on nights off? Like, what did well, you do when you were involved uh, with the There was a little canteen. There okay. was a little canteen that we would go to when we'd hang out. Uh-huh. Uh, they really weren't dances, per se. The town was dead yeah. around there. Oh, that reminds me. i got to tell you another story about a woman before I forget. I'll, I'll get back to Mina. Okay. But this was another woman whose name I forgot, by the way, who I was dating. It doesn't in, mean that she wasn't important. No, no, she was very important because I really, really was crazy about her. And uh, I thought she was about me as well. And uh, we were, uh, she wasn't in camp with me, uh, but we were in camp. And uh, she was supposed to meet us with her girlfriends in Hancock, New York, a little further out near mm -hmm. Scranton, Pennsylvania, which is like the armpit of the nation. Oh, we know. That we were just there for our adult oh. camp was around Scranton. It was, it was around Scranton. Yeah, in the Poconos. Oh. Pretty okay. dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> dead, dead. Yeah, there used to be coal mining, big time coal right. mining, but nothing there now. You know what? Joe Biden came out of Scranton, so we can't knock it. Okay. No, no we can't. No, we can't. So anyway, um, so we were supposed to meet uh, she was going to bring a girlfriend, and my friend Marty and I were going to meet, so, yeah, yeah. so we met them Friends there, and, Marty, yeah. and we drove our car up. It took about an hour and a half drive from our camp, and they were coming. I can't remember where they were coming from, and we were going to meet and go out for dinner or lunch or whatever, and this was going to be... Uh, romance time with me, you know, even though Marty was there, you know. Marty was your wingman. Marty was always there. Marty, <laughs> it still is. Marty is always there. I love him. Um, anyway, what happened was, I, I don't remember the specifics what happened, but she and I got into some kind of a struggle, some kind of a fight or something about something. And, um, and I don't know, maybe I wanted something more from her and she was saying no or some, <laughs> something like that. And um, then uh, after lunch, she and her girlfriend got in the car and we, were, we went over to say goodbye to them and we were going to take our... And I was very upset. And they 
turned around and just <laughs> sped off. Was that relationship really? over oh, after and that? Marty and I <laughs> were standing there. And the dust was coming at us <laughs> like, <laughs> like in the Western. They you know? literally left and you I in the dust. And I said they left us in the goddamn dust. <laughs> it was awful. Oh Just Stuart, awful. Stuart, again, I have to ask, who runs the world? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're right. Dude. I guess you're right. <laughs> That's heartbreaking. And then you had to I drive an hour to oh, drive yeah, back to camp. Oh, yeah, then we had an hour and a half. An and everyone and at camp probably knew you were going to meet the girls. Oh, and they're right. like, how'd it go? And then you ah, had to be terrible. like, oh. terrible. We and then did you not? Dead. see her again anymore Dead. no that was the end that was it that oh was that's it. so that sad was, i think i may have called when i got back <laughs> yeah. but forget it and no, she was like was lose, my number, lose my what? number lose <laughs> <laughs> my number it was a terrible blow Ugh. to be left in the dust near scranton pennsylvania yeah that's I mean, rough yeah. how, how do you make yourself feel better <laughs> there's nothing Min there Min <laughs> nothing there to help you out <laughs> Uh, it was terrible. It was just, terrible. You know, grab some ice cream on the way home. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. So, anyway, so those are some of some, some of the stories. Uh, I remember one time, I was uh, I was with Minna up in the fields with Minna at Ooh. night or during the day, and uh, there was a meeting I was supposed to go to at some point, and they were looking for me, and I didn't hear them looking for me. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't want to know that they, anybody was looking Just for me. Selective hearing. And so they asked my friend Marty, have you seen Stuart? <laughs> and he says, last time I saw him, he was heading to the lake. They started thinking that I drowned. Oh, they no, started running, no. started running to I the lake. I was about to be like, Marty's a real wingman, but <laughs> yeah. actually he probably ruined it for you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. That was really the funny. The whole camp's up in arms <laughs> looking for you in the have lake. You, have so you flipped did, your buddy tag? Right. <laughs> uh, and what, was, what was interesting was that I, I, I did this camp for four years, all the summers of my college mm -hmm. years, and it was just... Wonderful going up there all the time, meeting all the old counselors again most of the time. But they were, and and I think I stayed, I mainly stayed with eight and nine-year-olds. I think maybe one time ten-year-olds or something like so that. So you didn't okay. kind of go up with your, with your uh, campers I don't think I, you I don't think I took one? older campers. I don't yeah. think I went up that way. Um, I just sort of stayed with that group. There was something about them that were just enchanting. Yeah. It's their first, they're kid. the youngest kids. No, there was one bunk younger. Oh, there were seven year olds. Yeah, there too. was seven year old. That, that was a little too young. Yeah. My, but the eight or nine. my mom claims that she started going to camp when she was five years old. I'm sure there are. And sure which was, are. it would have been 1952, was when she was five. <laughs> and she, I have always been like, I don't believe that a counselor would sign up to take care of a five-year-old like right. that. They're so young. And she was like, no, 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 I have the letters. And I was like, you can't <laughs> write when you're five. That's but right. actually she had letters that her father sent her at That's camp right. that were read to her. Right. And it's true. She went when she was five years old. Hmm. That's Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's very young. They all very slept, young. they slept in the main house uh, okay. with the, um, okay. whoever the head counselor, you know, right. the director of the camp also That's slept right. in the same place that they slept yeah. in. But so young, right? Very That's young. Right. Very young. So, Stuart, so today, maybe you can comment for a little bit on how... So, you've been a practicing psychiatrist for many, many years. Right. And 
you've worked with a lot of people one on one, and you work with groups right. as well. Right. Uh, Stuart's kind of like the leading, like he's like the group guy. He's like <laughs> really oh, like well group known therapy? in the group community. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, he's cool. Like a, he's like a big deal. I mean, I believe you. Okay. He's a big deal. <laughs> he's a big deal, please. Um, I can tell he's very easy to talk to. He's very easy to talk to. Very good at leading. Um, can you talk about how maybe just like the, the camp dynamics or the, you know, the skills that you learn in childhood? You know, how at a camp, you mean how the yeah, kids can Yeah, and how maybe like people can carry that on with the, you know, to adulthood and how well you work with adults, you kind of see the same repeated patterns, especially in groups like you know, how people in their 40s in a group setting treat each other compared to eight-year-olds, oh, yeah. and maybe it's a little well, too they're, similar. They're, they're really not much different. They really yeah. are <laughs> not much different, except they're more clever in terms of uh, mm. being more sophisticated in the dynamics. Uh, but basically, what the most important thing that kids camp, camp does for kids is it really helps them learn about attachments. It really helps them learn about how do you relate to other people, because up to this point, their major task was to relating to their parents. Um, And kids, a lot of times, the kids were parallel play, they call it, where you sit, a kid is here and a kid is here, but they really play the same game separately, but together, but they don't really play together. They're not interacting. They're They're just... They're not as interacting as much. And so what happens is, in camp, what you see is they show you, in a way what they've learned from trying to relate to their parents and what their, how their parents relate to each other. So you get one kid who's a son of a bitch, one kid who really starts teasing other kids mm-hmm. terribly, another kid who's too passive to fight back and, won't, and just surrenders mm-hmm. and humiliates himself, um, and another kid who uh, uh, tries to, tries to uh, fix everybody tries to make sure, you know, are you okay, little Tommy, today? You know, this is little Bobby speaking to little Tommy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you okay today? Can I, oh, you look sad today. You know, he's telling you about how he had to take care of his parents mm-hmm. who were sad or distraught or anxious or whatever. Then there's, then there's the anxious kid who's afraid to go play ball, who's afraid to go to the docks, who's afraid to, uh, to uh, well, Larry, afraid to, you know, part of why Larry didn't, um, want to go to the thing, I think was the fact that there were too many people there. I think he suffered today, I would say he suffered from social anxiety, that it was too too much for him to be with a big group of kids because mm-hmm. all the can- counselors and all the kids were there. Yeah. But back then, we didn't know about social anxiety. So for the campers, it's a wonderful time for them to really, for the first time, play out their dramas separate from their parents and really see how it is now they don't they don't learn too much about it but they do have the at least the ability to play them out and some people then you know become their parents you know the kid who teases or gives them a hard time becomes the angry parent or the aggressive parent or there i've had a couple of kids who've been depressed very clearly they they were up at camp but they didn't do anything they stayed in their bunks all day you know they didn't want to do anything and these were kids who were depressed at that time I wasn't aware that they were letting me know how depressed their parents were. Right. And that one of the major functions that I do as a psychiatrist is get people to interpret for people their behavior in the group or with me as they're letting me know how it was in their family. Mm -hmm. They were letting me know who their parents were, what they had to do with their parents to be able to survive and move on. So 
for the kids and also for a lot of kids who uh, felt tied down into their parents, the rescuers who had to, the freedom is just enormous. That was going to be my question was like, do you think it was, it was a huge part of that was that they weren't around their parents? Because like when they're in school, I bet you they probably have an an opportunity to interact and that kind of thing, but they go home to their parents every night. This is, they know, and this was, you know, an eight week camp. So they knew for eight weeks, they were free of their kids. And boy, they did not want to go home, as yeah. I'm sure you all mm-hmm. experienced. You don't want to go home, no matter how good your home is. You don't want to because you, you, have, you have parts of you that have developed right. independent of your parents that, you, that are delicious, that you want to hold on to. You don't yeah. want to let it go. You don't want to go home. And it wasn't about going home and going to school. It's going home and sort of getting locked in because your parents yeah. didn't go to camp. Right. During these eight weeks, they didn't see a therapist for eight weeks. They're still their parents. They're still exactly <laughs> yeah, the same as you the left them. Right. You think you've, you've evolved out? Yeah, that. you've changed. Maybe we've hit on something, guys. Maybe we start a camp where it's like traditional camp for the kids, and the parents enter intensive right. therapy for eight weeks. That's right. That's right. I mean, that would be. And that they would watch be, like no, playback the, of what their kid did that right. day, so I they're mean, in the sync ideal with thing. Melody. Yeah, the ideal thing would be. You're absolutely correct. The ideal thing would be while the kids are away. For eight weeks, the parents go and work to on themselves on, with the parents of the other kids, whoever they are, wow, yeah. and they work together and begin to see uh, the uh, difficulties and frailties and vulnerabilities. Guys, that I they think we've have. hit on something here. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we should really, start this camp. Really fascinating. But I, I've seen kids just open up when they come in the first week. They would be scared or sad or anxious mm-hmm. or depressed or or f- too full with themselves, or whatever, uh, or too alone. Uh, and by the end of the summer, by the end of eight weeks, they just, they all love each other. We're all laughing together and giggling together. And a lot of times, we ended up as, as uh, uh, people they could talk to. There were many times uh, during rest hour where a kid would say, um, could you come in the book? I want to just talk with you a little bit, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And, they, and they would. And I mean, they would. That's that is therapy, right? Having an unbiased oh, yeah. third party oh, yeah. who doesn't know your whole situation Absolutely. to talk to. That's right. And the camp counselors would talk to each other about what the kids were saying or feeling or thinking. And part of that had to do with the head counselor being a psychologist. Yeah, that's very yeah. interesting. Yeah. For that time, because I feel like now I I personally believe that all camps should have a psychologist yeah. there. Oh, they should. So but much stuff comes so up. What about, so many things well, come up. Well, what about up? at your camp? Did, who was the head counselor? Did, was there not a psychologist around? There was definitely no one who was who had who a, was a like fully trained. fully trained. Yeah, I think now no one was trained. Like I I knew in my head like oh there there were a couple counselors who I felt really comfortable going to when when either I was having an issue or someone had in my bunk had come yeah. to me with one right. but there and were we no were, trained mental yeah, health professionals no, no we had no training but on. now um like our friend Natalie was a the head counselor there while while she was in school mm-hmm. getting her uh, psychologist degree and you know, now they have um for a while when I was a counselor uh this woman, Elisa, she was a guidance counselor, so right. she was there okay. for a while. So, like, people okay. come in and are okay. that That's are good. mental health yeah. professionals. Of course, a lot of mental health professionals take some time off in the summer right. and work at a camp. Right. Yeah. And, so uh, I think that's amazing. And when you it's speak of thing. that about hilarious, I mean, I can't tell you the number of times 
that the whole camp and I, we would just burst into laughter and go on and on and laughing, especially when it came to making these plaques mm. that we have to make at the end of the year. Yeah. And ours oh, yeah, was you come particularly back to that, good yeah. because of the Tim, Tim Tyler stories. They made plaques of every kid was a tombstone. Oh, that's <laughs> There's so much death in this game. <laughs> that's right. And they had something funny. That's really good. On the tombstone. Yeah, like Taylor Tyler word. got me. <laughs> I got Tim Tyler. Yeah. You know? That's and, great. That's great. Yeah. And then, that. you know, then some of the classic things is that, uh, uh, that counselors do at the beginning is the kid is sleeping. And his hand is down there, and you put him in water. Yeah, you put yeah. His yeah. Hand in warm that water. seems like a mean prank to it me. It is. Yeah. It is a mean prank. Yeah. We didn't, or they do the sheets where you short get sheet. the short yeah. sheeting. Yeah. But that was rare. That was right, like at the beginning. I think a short sheet is a harmless over. prank. Yeah. That's a harmless one. But the the warm water is not. Yeah, no, that's not. mean. But it was really uh, it was a fabulous experience. But for me as well, to one to get away from my family yeah. and to get away from the hot summers of New York, which I despised, which was similar to this, I know. was breathtaking. I loved it. I loved every minute of it. I, I hated to go back. I can tell that you were just like a beloved and favorite counselor. It's very uh, clear. I, I yeah. was. I definitely was. That's correct. Because I loved it. I loved yeah. doing yeah. it. When you love thing. it, then you, other people yeah. are like, I guess I should love it too. Yeah, and when you love infectious. it, people are like, Stuart right. loves this and he makes everything fun. <laughs> and like, that's the best counselor. Those yeah. are the best kinds of counselors. Thank you for sharing your stories with us. Do you have any other? Do you have any last... Stories? I don't think so. No? I don't think so. <laughs> Those Not were so good, Stuart. You good. were so we hardly had to interview you. This has been great. Wonderful. Good. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. It's my pleasure. All right, we'll chat with you in our mini episode coming up. All right. Thanks, Stuart. Let's do social media real quick. Okay, we're gonna wrap this up. Uh find us on Instagram at Happy Campers Podcast. Or uh Facebook. Happy Campers, Happy Campers Podcast. Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Twitter, Happy Campers Pod. Email, Happy Campers Podcast at gmail.com. And iTunes, rate, review, subscribe. Yes, please. It's so helpful. Um, all right. Keep Stuart, enjoying summer. Hope you enjoyed our episodes with Stuart. We certainly enjoyed recording them with him. Yes, we did. Um, and day is done. Gone the sun. We out. Our theme song was written, recorded, and sung by the very talented Steffi Copeland.